Hurry brings worry. Hurry brings worry. Um, we do record these so that they can be listened to again. One of the benefits of lockdown is that, of course, it slows you down. Um, you can't go far. You cannot visit places. You can only do essential shopping and get out for exercise. Or if you can go to work, of course, you have to go to work. But it's as if the hurry of life is put on pause and we have to learn to live at a different pace. However, I can confidently predict that once the current lockdown is over and the pandemic is behind us, we will up the pace and move again into the fast lane of hurry. Um, I've got a brother-in-law who sent me something over the um, internet just this week and uh, he said it was hymns that you can sing when you're driving on the motorway. So when you're driving at 45 miles an hour, you can sing, God will take care of you. 55 miles an hour, guide me, O thou great Jehovah. 65 miles an hour, nearer my God to thee. 75 miles an hour, nearer, still nearer. 85 miles an hour, the world or this world is not my home. 95 miles an hour, Lord, I'm coming home. A hundred miles an hour, precious memories. <laughs> and over 100 in the sweet by and by. Now, some of you will remember all of those hymns and they are really quite fitting for when you come to drive. Uh, John Ortberg, who is a great American preacher and pastor, he refers to somebody he knew who observed some thoughts about hurry. And he wrote this. Hurry involves excessive haste or a state of urgency. It is associated with words such as hurl, hurdle, hurly-burly, which means a state of uproar, and hurricane. He then defined hurry as a state of frantic effort one falls into in response to inadequacy, fear, and guilt. The simple fact is that hurry is when we have too much to do. Now, you will know that the Bible speaks about the nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I would suggest that all of those are completely incompatible with hurry. How can you hurry faithfulness? How can you hurry peace? How can you hurry joy? How can you hurry goodness? They're not compatible. And of course, all of us want to live life to the full. We want to make the most of every moment. Um, and yet we have to cope with the pressures and the expectations of the job and keep up with a world of friends and associates and keep up with the news. But with that comes the pressure to cram as much as we possibly can into every moment. Now, I know that a lot of you have got an iPhone. I've got an iPhone. And it is a fact that every day people who have an iPhone use or touch them 
2,617 times in the course of a day. Now, you've never counted, and that might not quite be you, but I guess you would be shocked at the number of times you touch your phone. That's from picking it up to doing messages to do whatever. It is a gadget that somehow we seem to constantly be in touch with. Now, when we read of the creation, it says that God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he took a rest. Jesus said in the New Testament, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Rest, not rush, <clears throat> is biblical. And we live in a world that, of course, does not want us to rest. It constantly demands our attention. How many of you have got Netflix? You might not want to admit it. But those of you that have got Netflix, do you know that the CEO of Netflix said that their biggest enemy is sleep? Because when you're sleeping, when you're resting, you cannot watch Netflix. And they recognize that that works against all that they are trying to do. Now, Psalm 46 was read to us by Perry just a little while ago. And verse one, of course, I think has been quite relevant to us since last March, because the coronavirus has brought terrible trouble to our world. But God promises to be our refuge and strength, always present in times of trouble. But let me ask this question. Does our lifestyle sometimes make God's help in times of trouble difficult for him? You see, this psalm has one instruction in it which demands a change to our lifestyle. And you'll find it in verse 10 where it says, be still and know that I am God. Let's just look at that verse for a few moments with you. First thing it tells us is to be still. In the context of this psalm, it is suggested that this instruction to be still is about God addressing warring nations. I think in the version that was read to us, it said about stop fighting. But of course, it also correlates with the time when Jesus was in the boat in the midst of the storm, and he stood up and he spoke to the storm and he said, peace, be still. We all face battles. We all face storms in life, personally and even nationally, at this particular time. But I believe that to be still is a word that God wants for every one of us at this particular time in our lives. This word to be still, written in the Old Testament in the Hebrew language, literally means to hang limp, to abandon, or to withdraw. So here's a question, what do you need to let go of or withdraw from at this time. We carry so much with us on a daily basis. We carry responsibilities for our family, for work, but we also carry with us baggage of the past and worries about the future. So how do we be still? You see, this is much more than just sitting in a chair, putting your feet up, 
and twiddling your thumbs. And John Mark Comer has written a, a great book. I, I love his books. And he's written a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, if you can get hold of it, you'll find it, I think, quite inspiring. But he suggests some ways in that book about how we can be still. One of the first things he says is, is pretty obvious. We need to slow down. Here's some suggestions. Do you drive at the speed limit? Do you sit at the traffic lights in first gear with your foot on the accelerator, waiting for the moment when it turns orange and then you're on your way? You see, there are little bad habits that we all have that feed hurry. Do you ever withdraw from your phone? Do you actually turn it off? Do you have a, a rest from your phone so that it no longer interrupts your life? Or is it on 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Somebody suggested take emails off your phone. I don't do emails on my phone, partly because I'm frustrated with writing one finger, a great long email. I'd rather sit and write with two hands on a keyboard. But some people do it. And the problem is that as soon as you get an email or a message, there is that expectation and demand to answer it straight away because the person who's just sent it is waiting for your reply. I used to love letters. I knew I didn't have to hurry. I could write a letter and the person on the other end would know that they get my reply in three or four days time. But now we live in this instant age where there's this expectation that if somebody sends you a message, you've got to reply immediately. That feeds hurry. Do you get lots of notifications on your phone? Do you need to reduce your apps? Do you ever read your Bible in the morning before you look at your phone? It is a fact that 75% of us sleep next to our phones and 90% of us check our phones immediately upon waking up. Do we check and see if the world is still alive? I don't know. You see, to be still means to become intentional about withdrawing or abandoning things that control our lives. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.11, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And that quiet life term, literally in the Greek, is to be silent, to rest, to give up, to get, let go of the things that pressurize you and push you into a hurry lifestyle. So we need to slow down. And whilst lockdown forces us to slow down, what things do you personally need to take control of that will slow you down? We need also to simplify our lives around the way of Jesus. You see, Jesus lived from a place of rest. We had read to us from John 11 about the time when Lazarus was sick and Mary and Martha called Jesus to come so that he could heal him. Do you know, Jesus didn't rush to that situation. Do you ever read of Jesus rushing anywhere? Do you ever read of Jesus running, <clears throat> being in a hurry? No. It was four days later when he actually arrived at Bethany. The word hurry is never associated with Jesus. He lived from a place of love, joy, and peace. He never panicked. He never became anxious or did anything that was unnecessary. 
And we had read to us where Jesus, um, well, well, Jesus said in John 9, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. You know, too often we are not content just to work in the day. We work into the night as well. And then it was also read to us from John 11, where Jesus said, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daylight will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. You see, Jesus understood that there was a time to work and there was a time to rest. And I sometimes wonder whether we get that all out of kilter. Jesus constantly lived from a place of light. And anything in your life and mind that speaks of darkness needs to be eliminated. Do you watch dark films? Do you read dark books? Do you entertain things that are from darkness? Those things need to be eliminated from our lives so that we live in a place of light, which ultimately feeds rest into our bodies and into our spirits. Jesus lived from a place of rest, not rush. There's also a lot of thought going around today about the importance of the Sabbath. Whilst the Sabbath was something for the Jewish people, God instituted the Sabbath because on the seventh day he rested. And it's important for us to have a day where we rest, where we're still and where we're quiet because it re-energizes and restores our bodies. Often we need to reassess our lifestyle. Maybe you need to think about coming into this new year. Do you need to rearrange your seven days a week so one day you take as a day in which to rest and to refresh your soul? So we have to be still. But then the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. When God commissioned Moses to lead the people of Israel out of their captivity in Egypt, Moses was very reluctant to go to the elders of the Israelites and say, I am come to lead you out of your slavery in Egypt. Why? Because 40 years before, Moses had been a prince in Egypt. And he had fled Egypt because he had seen an Egyptian slave master, taskmaster, ill-treating one of his Israelite brothers. So Moses, in his anger, killed the Egyptian. The next day, Moses sees a couple of his Israelite brothers having a fight. And so he goes up and separates them. And one of them turns to him and says, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Well, with that, Moses runs from Egypt and he hides for 40 years. And then God meets him at the burning bush and he says, Moses, we've got a job for you. I want you to go back to Egypt and you are going to lead my people out of their captivity. But Moses fears rejection. And so Moses says to God, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me, they will say to me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? It's as if they needed some secret password to believe that Moses had really been sent from God. So God gives Moses the password and he simply says this, tell them I am who I am has sent you. 
Now, on the face of it, that doesn't make any sense at all, does it? I am who I am has sent you. But when you understand the meaning of that term, God is literally saying, I am the eternal self-existent one. There is none other beside me. And the people of Israel understood that that was who God was. He was the one true and living God, the self-existent one. Here in Psalm 46, verse 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. This is really important. It's a really important biblical concept to understand concerning the being and the nature of God. God is I am because he is all sufficient and he needs nothing. Jesus used the same phrase seven times in the New Testament, and it was mentioned in John 11 that was read to us by Babs. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the door or the gate through me. You can come in and find pasture and life and sustenance. He says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the true vine. You see, God wants us to know that we don't have to be the author of our own success and destiny. You don't have to struggle to rush and hurry through life, trying to make sense of it all in your own strength. Jesus says that I am all that you need. I am here for you. I am with you. I am your savior, your helper, your comforter, your guide. I am all that you will ever need. David, the psalmist, understood this in Psalm 23 when he said, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He understood that God was his I am. And that's what God wants to be to us. So we don't have to rush. We don't have to panic. We don't have to be full of fear. We don't have to be under the constant pressure of this world, knowing that Jesus is our I am and in him we can rest and be still and know that he will take care of everything that concerns us you see for Moses and for you and for me the issue is not who we are but who is with us and Janice is just going to read a poem to you something I penned a number of years ago as we draw this to a conclusion Being still. It's not the rush and the busyness that makes me important. It's not the success or achievements that give me significance. It's not the people I meet and mix with or the relationships I make that tells me who I am. Neither is it the influence and impact I have on others that makes me what I am. I am only what I allow God to make of me. I am only what I allow God to take of me. I am only what I allow God to put into me. And so I need to take time to be still. For it is when I am still that I stop. I stop running after the things of this world. 
I stop running to keep pace with this world. I stop running to be someone in this world. For when I am still, I can know God. When I stop, my strivings cease. Being still by his presence is the ultimate place of rest. For it is there in that moment that I can know God and then I can really know who I am in him. Let's just pause for a moment to pray. Father, as we step into a new year, it can be so easy to be sucked into the kind of lifestyle that we're familiar with. And when the pandemic is over and we've had our vaccines just to suddenly crank up the pace of life and to start living as we did. But Lord, we need to understand what it means to be still and to rest. And I pray that you will show us individually the things that we need to let go of, that try to control us, that try to drive us. And that Lord, in this year, we will truly be a people who are led by your spirit and who learn to walk with you day by day. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.